thetennis.com podcast. And here's your host, Ed McGrogan. Hey guys, tennis.com podcast here. The Shanghai Masters is going to be the focus of our discussion today. I'm Ed McGrogan here with P. Bodo and Steve Tigner. Uh, this is a tournament, this is a field that the WTA would, would kill to see based on what's happened over there with pullouts, withdrawals. Nobody's going to be left for the for the final, the uh, tour championships over on that side. Yeah, nobody's going to be left for Bali, never mind the final. No one's left for anywhere. But right here in the ATP, there's, uh, you know, this is a, still during the tour season and this event, top to bottom, the first seed through the 16th seed, they're the first ranked player through the 16th player in the world. So everybody's in this, and we've gotten through a, a day or so of matches where it parses down into the 32 just about, so we know who the big seeds who got to buy in the opener and will play. Um, so just overall, there, there's actually some pretty interesting first-round matches, if you will, for guys like Nadal, um, or Nadal Djokovic, Federer. Nadal gets Wawrinka. Djokovic, Lubacic, Federer, Isner. There's a lot of interesting matches right off the bat, and um, I guess I'll start with just that. Is there anything that might see a cause for upset right away, or just overall the the prospect of this term for the top players? A lot of them are coming into this with a lot of good momentum, and Dolan Djokovic won last week. Does that seem to uh, carry over this week and seem to be the same old as we've seen in the past few weeks here in Asia? Well, the big question mark, I think, in my mind is Federer because he hasn't played. He said he's been training hard, so you know he would be very much in his best interest to make a good late-season push. I mean, let's face it. He, he more or less owns the indoor season or has owned. At least he owns indoor hardcore events when he's you know, in the mode to play him and when he – you know, when he's competitive, he's won a championship a bunch of times and stuff. So, you know, this really, this is his chance to really make up for, you know, what, what amounts to quite a bit of lost ground throughout the year. So he should come out firing on all cylinders, you would think. He's practiced, he's primed, he says he's eager to play. I think he's going to have his hands full with John Isner because, you know, we saw what Isner did last week. We saw him in his first match. It gets through, you know, three three wild sets, wins it, wins in a tiebreaker. Once again, it's all about the tiebreakers and all about the aces and other guys, even more than being afraid of his serve other guys wondering, you know, what's going to happen if they get broken. That, you know, just becomes a big factor. I don't think this is a very easy match for Federer to have to play first time out after a long layoff. What do you think, Steve? Yeah, well, no, I agree. Isner, Isner is, is the guy you don't want to see, that Federer doesn't want to see in the first round. Fortunately for him, Isner had to save seven match points in that tournament he's played. He played last week as well, so he's going to be, he's bound to be a little tired. He gets tired, um, which is not surprising for a big guy. Federer just hasn't you know, he hasn't played since the U.S. Open. He didn't really get a chance to work with Paul Anacone much, which maybe that's fine. He, he doesn't have any, a lot of new thoughts going through his head. Paul was sick, apparently. They didn't, they didn't really get a chance to work, work too much, though. I think Paul is there with him. I guess the other, you know, the another question mark is Nadal. He sort of has the opposite, opposite situation as Federer. He's played a lot. He played the last two weeks straight. He normally doesn't play. Maybe in the clay court season, he'll play this much, but this isn't typical for him. He also plays a guy, Vavrinka, who has has made some noise this year. And he's a guy I've always felt like who will he's going to beat Nadal one of these days. It might not be this time, but but that's that's also a pretty tough match to start. Vavrinka, yeah, uh, uh, especially on a on a harder court like this, this is where I you could see. You know, in this time of year in the fall, you do tend to see some of the bigger names going down. But I I agree that Vavrinka could possibly give Nadal trouble. I don't I don't suspect it will be this week. I think Nadal is just on a good tear right now. Federer, I think we always talk about whether 
the layoffs help him or hurt him. He always, he's a guy who, after each slam, aside from the French Open, uh, because Wimbledon's so close to, to that, usually takes about a month-long month long hiatus, and this is pretty much the same cases coming in from the U.S. Open. Well, I'll tell you, he's coming back to minefield. If you look at that draw, he's got, you know, so he's got Isner in his first match. Then, you know, then he gets maybe a, maybe a Chilich who, you know, hasn't played that great, but the guy can definitely play on his surface. Then he's looking at, you know, a David Ferrer, possibly a Robin Soderling. Those two guys, of course, one only one, he can only play one of those two guys because they'll play each other first. And you even got Tip Sarovic, who's, who's really played very well and been really inspired by his Davis Cup, I think. So, I mean, I think it's a very, very tough draw for Roger Federer. What's more in general, besides the, the draw breakdown, I, I one thing I always think about at this point of the season, what we've seen that since the U.S. Open, is I'm still kind of shocked at, how the stock of Novak Djokovic has just escalated from a guy who we've, before the Open started, he was really sort of a player who had his had his seating based on all his semifinals, and he was getting there, and that's kind of his plateau. And in the past few months, Djokovic has looked exactly like a top two player should be looking. He's winning pretty much everything he can. The only person he lost to recently is Nadal. Uh, last week, him and Nadal won tournaments. And Djokovic is just, it's, uh, it's looking like this year, sort of like last year, he, he won Shanghai last year. This could be, if he's looking for a way to get into it and reassert himself back in 2011 as the guy who's going to be at the top all year, challenging even Nadal, it would be a nice, uh, nice way to, to get things going here with him. Yeah, the Open was a big, a big change for him. He'd seemed like he was, like you said, plateaued. And he, was, he was pretty much out the door in the first round. Then two weeks later, he's almost winning the tournament, and he's back to being the Djokovic of three three years ago. But he had a great fall last year as well. He won in Basel. He did well in Paris. Um, so I guess that's that aspect isn't surprising. I would I would hesitate to say that he's going to continue so consistently. He's his history is to he will have a bad match. He will have a match where it just goes you know it, it goes wrong for him. And he just played he just played in Beijing. Um, so Monday, I, I think yeah. It's, I, you, know, you just played a Monday final and he won there. So I think this is a this is a tough you know this is a tough um, draw. This is a tough tournament for him. The other guy, sort of look at who does well in the fall, Dab, uh, Nikolai Davidenko. He he won the World Tour final last year. He's in the quarter with Nadal, which Davidenko hasn't played well. He had a wrist injury earlier in the year. He's sort of coming back now. If they if those two play in the quarters, that's that's a pretty good match. Davidenko has has done well against Nadal on. Um, on hard courts in the past, so that that has the potential for an upset. Yeah, and uh, Davidenko, as um, I, he he won Shanghai last year. Is that I, I don't think I think I misspoke there. It was he won Shanghai last year, right. not Djokovic. But um, working at, at one last court that we haven't touched on, I wanted to make mention of a guy who is back uh, after a little bit of a layoff is is Joe Sanga, who Steve, you actually wrote about that. I don't know. If, I don't know if it was just. Murray really is top liver, huh? Yeah, oh, I, I guess so. This <laughs> yeah, well, it's uh, Andy hasn't shown us. He, he looked great in Canada, but since then it's been kind of the reverting to the Andy that a lot of us haven't enjoyed seeing. But Sanga is a guy who I don't know if it was just intuition or just kind of a, a throw in the dart, but uh, you thought that he might do well this week in Shanghai, Steve, and. Um, I don't know if, if there's any particular reason for that, or you think this is kind of a cushy draw for him. Just overall, what uh, what strikes you about Sanga coming back off a little bit of a layoff that could you could see if he's just a fall type of player? What what about him? He is a fall player. He won 
he won in Paris a couple of years ago, and he he tends to do pretty well in these in in these types of tournaments. And he you know he hasn't played. He hasn't played that much. He's he is fresh. Um, I you know that the reason I picked him in that in that quarter is is that nobody else really sticks out as dominant. Murray looked good going in the open, and now he's now he seems to be sort of adrift. He, you know, we we thought it was a good thing that he didn't didn't have a coach. He seemed to be freer, and now suddenly you know he loses a few matches, and it seems like he's adrift without a coach, and he needs a coach, but. We'll see. We'll see. He, he he's had a bad, you know, last month or so. So I think the, there's an opening there for some for a guy like Sanga who who you know he's coming in now almost like a new season for him. Yeah, um, I'm not really sure that Sanga gets by. You know, those first couple of matches he got potentially Sam Query if he beats Michael Barrera, which I think could be a tough match. You know, Query is another guy who could really use, especially with Isner playing reasonably well. You know, these two guys kind of keep an eye on each other, and you know, Query could have a good tournament. And uh, down at the bottom, Mikhail Yuzny has played played pretty well lately. I I kind of like Yuzny in a Yuzny Sanga matchup. You know, you got two guys who like to go for their shots. You know, where it's not a matter of Sanga, you know, being able to attack and, and smother a guy who's going to be back at the baseline. Like say a Ferrer type player, and I think Husney could give him, you know, could could give him a handful. So, you know, it doesn't leap out at you as tough matches for Sanga, but in a sneaky way they could be. Pete, let's close with um, a, th- a thought, a spare a thought for the women's tour at this point. This week was supposed to be uh, Serena Williams was coming back, and just as quickly as she said she was coming back, she said, "No, I'm not going to come back." The injury is worsened or is just not healing properly. And besides Serena, you have a, a big list of players who aren't, who pretty much shut, shut down for the year. And even the players who haven't officially said it, like um, Kim Kleisters is in question too. Uh, your thoughts on kind of the state at this point, WTA, it's like a repeating thing seems to happen year after year, but this year, another just nobody's there it seems like anymore well there's your larry scott legacy you know the roadmap and the uh the doha championships you know it's 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 kind of a pity you know actually you can't blame scott i mean a roadmap's not a bad idea on paper but like a lot of other things all these things are good ideas on paper but it just takes people who are willing to actually do what they got to do to help make it work and uh now look i mean look there's an injury factor no question about that so but it's a little bit you know it just gets to the point you wonder when, when you know when you when the women are going to have a championships where everybody's you know present accounted for ready to play and eager to win you know you, you got you need that i mean granted you've got you know some of those other top 10 players like the Azarenkas of this world who you know who, who probably will go and Yankovic she's got a lot to win there a lot to gain so you know they, they could end up putting on a good tournament but it really is pretty disappointing that you're looking at really probably eight of the top 20 you know being finished for the year already and this was supposed to be you know this this new regimen with the offseason the roadmap you know and you know the you know it, it's it's just really discouraging I think yeah Steve you have some thoughts there on that yeah go ahead it's tough to know what what the reason is I mean this the, the roadmap was made to, to to so they would have fewer tournaments and fewer injuries, and they you know they successfully implemented that, but then the injuries are still still just as bad. I think I think either the modern women's game is too hard on these women's bodies, or I think more likely is that they just haven't that WTA just hasn't been able to create a tour outside of the slams the way the men have a series of tournaments that the women are really top women really are want to win or have to feel like they have to show up for like the master series the the roadmap hasn't been that the wta hasn't succeeded in in motivating these women to play to be ready for anything after the grand slams yeah like you said in the past the master series is one of the atp's best success stories i'd say um we'll touch back on shanghai later in the week when the 
field is settled down to the uh, final eight, final four. We'll be back before this week is out. Thanks again for listening to the Tennis.com podcast with Pete Bodo, Steve Tegner, and Ed McGrogan. Hi, Tino. You've been enjoying Tennis.com's weekly podcast. Thanks for listening. For all the latest news and events, head over to Tennis.com.